We believe that a healthy nation is built upon healthy marriages and healthy families. You need the love of God to love well and love consistently because marriage will challenge everything inside of you. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. What a privilege it is today to to be with you and to have my beautiful wife here next to me. Um, We we wanted to to share with you um, together today and, um, and speak to you about something that's very close to our hearts. And actually, really what our ministry was built upon from the start. And that is that God gave us a supernatural passion for marriages and families to, to understand the heart of God for marriage and family and to see that lived out. Because we just find that so many so many people in marriage and family are kind of just surviving, if they are surviving, instead of thriving. And so we want to share about that today. So I first want to do a quick recap. The significance of today is it is uh, the 18th of I'm, February. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Okay, Max. <laughs> that is my idiom to say. Okay, so it's your share. Today is the 18th of February, and today, on this 18th of February, 18 years ago, Heinz declared his love to me. Aww. Yay. So it's actually a very special day for us to do this. And when we felt led to do this, neither one of us clicked that it actually falls on this day today. So that was really by God's design. And uh, yes, it was a, we were actually going to a a pastor's couple of friends of ours who were getting married that day. And uh, I was late because I had a show and I I got to the the venue. Um, It's a long story, but the (laughs) bottom line is that day I knew that I knew that she is my wife. And I told her that. It's the first time in her life she was speechless. I was. I was quiet for two hours. I was just listening. Two hours. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, it's a special day, um, and we thank God for that. And he's, yeah, just his protection and his, his uh, blessing on our lives. We thank God for that. Amen. All right, so I want to do just a quick recap to bring everybody on board, especially if you haven't been with us for a, a while or if you're here for the first time. We started out the year with knowing that God has showed us the word for the year is fruit, and we have had a message on be fruitful and multiply, um, which is about God's original plan for mankind, which is going to come up a lot today actually again. Uh, we spoke about being positioned to produce, that, that we should have no fear for the year, uh, that, we should, uh, that what we sow will show. We need to be careful about what we're sowing into our lives because it will show. And we spoke about the recipe for joy which is the fear of the Lord 
and delighting and obeying His commands. Amen. And then we spoke about the fruit of unity and we saw how massively important the unity of the body of Christ is to our Father in heaven and to Jesus. And then last week spoke about the holy fruits. We spoke about Galatians 5 and 6 and how God has given us the fruit of the Spirit when we are in the slipstream of the Holy Spirit. Then the fruit of our lives will be the holy fruit that we read about in Galatians 5.22. Now today, we want to build on all of this because we don't just hear a message and think it's nice, but we, it's all building stones that God is busy laying in our lives. Amen? So I want you to see every message as a building block in what God is doing. Not just in the church, but in each individual's life. Amen? So we are coming in this series of fruit, we're coming to a sort of a mini-series called Family Tree. So Family Tree, and today we're going to focus on marriage. So I, I want you to see this picture of, you know, how God, because we had that picture of seed tree fruit, you remember that's, that sequence that a seed creates a, 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 a tree and a tree carries fruits, and then this, the sequence goes on. And this is very, very true for family life, very true practically, physically, but also obviously spiritually. So we want to talk about that today. So as we get into it, I want to start with a few questions. Um, how many of you here that are married? First of all, who's married? Okay, look more excited about it. <laughs> uh, so how many of you that are married have a perfect marriage? Thank wow. you, Josh. Well done, Okay, then Josh. you should come and teach Yo. today. There's a perfect marriage. There's two perfect marriages here. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. So we should leave, and I then so. they should come and teach. <laughs> Are there any um, single, engaged, unmarried people who are dreaming about being married, who think they've got it figured out how to have the perfect marriage? Anyone? Got it figured out, nailed down. All right. We've got some people who are going to teach later today. Uh, is there anyone here today, if you would be honest, that's too afraid to get married? Too afraid to get married, married again? again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. Hmm. Why? Hurt. Hmm. And we understand that. And there's also, there's a growing tendency that we're seeing in our world today of young people not wanting to marry, not even thinking of marriage as an option for their future. There's this very sad tendency that young people are steering away from getting married, and we are seeing a consequence of many children being born out of wedlock, and people telling themselves that it's okay, it's fine, like this is the new norm. And this is even happening inside some church, you know, environments where it's like they get the stamp of approval and this is a really scary thing that's happening and I want you to just take a moment and think of okay now it seems like it's kind of still okay but I want you to think 20 30 40 years ahead what will the generation look like that come all come from unsafe homes where the marriage was not there wasn't a marriage so there wasn't security and children grew up in an environment where they weren't sure of their future just think of that generation now being adults. Sure. It's a bit of a scary thought. For me anyway, you all act like that's normal, but it's, it's not normal. 
All right. We believe that a healthy nation is built upon a healthy, a healthy marriages and healthy families. Amen. Would you agree? And how do we get there? We can't have healthy marriages that build healthy families, that build a healthy nation, if we don't have truly born-again people who are married, because only truly born-again people can love with the love of God. And how many of you know that you need the love of God to love well and love consistently, because marriage will challenge everything inside of you. It will challenge everything. My wife and I both love Jesus. We did pre-marriage counseling. We got married, and we would turn to each other often and go, we kind of are doing it as, as much as we can the right way, and it is still difficult. Now, if you don't even have Jesus, if you don't have the Word of God, if you don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit, I can imagine that it is hell on earth when the honeymoon phase dies down. Because I know there's a honeymoon phase. We all know the honeymoon. We love the honeymoon phase. It's fun. It's lacquer, you know. Do you know what the honeymoon phase is? It's that time, some of you may have forgotten, there was this time <laughs> long, in, long your, in your relationship <laughs> where you liked one another all the time. <laughs> yes, it might come back to you a little bit. And, and you even thought that everything that irritates you now was cute <laughs> back then. It was like, oh, that's so cute. And I was like, <laughs> But in the honeymoon phase, it was like. <laughs> which, what, which, what is the no, you're perfect. Well, I mean, well, I'm well, talking about... Just check it. Those people, they... Okay. I'm talking about me. Okay, well. <laughs> now, listen, I, I've told this story, and some of you may have heard it, but I'm just going to quickly tell it. I, I realized that our honeymoon phase is probably coming to an end the one day. It kind of just snuck up on me. <laughs> and it, this is the way it happened. I, I was in the bathroom, I came out, and then I came back, to, and my wife was standing and looking at the, sort of at the door of the bathroom and looking at me with this face I've never seen before. <laughs> I re realized it's her upset face. So I, I was introduced to her upset face that day, and she it pointed- It was a disappointed face. Disappointed, it's worse. <laughs> like, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. That's way worse. So she was kind of looking at the toilet, looking at me, and then pointing at the toilet. And I went, what? <laughs> the lid is down. The seat is the up. The seat is down. Ach, up, sorry. <laughs> the seat is up. The seat is up. I'm like, yeah, it's down when I get here. <laughs> but somehow that's not the same. If it's up, it's a problem. If it's down, it's the way it's supposed to be. So we had our first little thing. And then, I realized, and then somewhere that same week or month, I woke up the one morning and where I would usually woke up and kiss my wife passionately, she said, uh-uh. <laughs> First brush your teeth. <laughs> I'm like, that wasn't a problem yesterday, what happened? And I realized the honeymoon phase might be coming to an end. And, but then, you know, that's another way of saying life gets real. Life gets real and we have to deal with that. All right, so today we, I kind of want to talk about what God originally planned for us, where are we as a world, and how do we bring these things together? And how does it look like in each of our lives here in the Helderberg? Amen? So we have to understand what God's original standard was, His creation ordinances. And we're going to quickly look at that. So God created marriage, do you agree? 
How many of you know that one of the things the world is trying to do is to redefine marriage? They're trying to redefine it. Do you remember me talking once about um, linguistic hijacking? Where they take a word that used to mean something, they hollow out the meaning, give it a new meaning. And now they say, this is marriage. And it was never meant to be marriage. So marriage was invented by God. So how many of you know if someone invented something, we should respect the inventor and how he says it should work? Because if you don't use something according to how it was designed, you will abuse it. Amen? Just put rocks in your Nutri-Bullet and you will know what I mean. <laughs> All right. Then from marriage, God made family. He said, he blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. We're going to read it now. And because of that, God has given us an order. And this order offends the world. But it's still his order. And if we respect and honor this order, we will see how God will bless. Amen? And his order is God, man, woman, marriage, children, calling, community. If we can understand this, if we can just get this right... It will make all the difference in the world. So I want to read parts from Genesis to you today just to lay the foundation. And then we're going to talk about it a bit. Do you want to read the first part, baby? Okay. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, um, over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then when we jump to Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And all the men go, amen. One, two, three. I will make him a helper comparable to him. That word helper in the Hebrew is ezer genegdo, which means military aid. I will make him a military aid to help him. Genesis 2.21, will you add this? Yes. I was wanting to say something you about the military something. aid. Okay, so you can say something. We, we as Christians are supposed to know that everything starts in the spirit. We are more spirit than we are flesh. Amen. Like you were a spirit before the foundations of the earth. So everything happens in the spirit. So when we read in the Bible that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, it really is in the spirit. And a lot of what happens in marriage happens in the spirit. Yeah. So when it says you are his military aid, when women, when you are your wife's military aid, your husband, your husband <laughs> sorry, focus. That's why we help each other. Yeah, yeah, helper. He's also my helper. Then I had this picture once when we were talking about it. It's literally, you are in warfare 24-7 in the spirit. Because the enemy is trying to take you and your marriage and your husband and your family out 
all the time with messages, with uh, media, with social media, with people, with what it's just trying to get in all the time. And I had this vivid picture of, of Heinz standing with a gun and shooting at the enemy and when it's empty, like I load the gun. We've got multiple guns. I load. Pass it to him. He shoots. I load it. And it's like, we are, that is what we do. We're in this fight together. You have to do the. Okay? It's very important. He can't do it on his own because he's going to run out of ammo. And then he's going to have to turn his back on the enemy to load the gun. But if I'm there loading the gun the whole time, he's got my back. I've got his back. We're in this together. That's beautiful. If you, if you forget that, just. Take your prayer hands and go. Because it happens in prayer. It happens in prayer. All right. Genesis 2.21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And all the men say amen. (laughs) (laughs) And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So that is powerful imagery and scripture that we need to remind ourselves often. Why? Because this is God's original plan. Yes. If you are a parent, you have probably said this at some point to your child you say something once that they need to do and you show them how it works what happens when they come and say what happens when they come and ask you should I do it he said I've already told you yes my mind has not changed anyone have that moment or you say to them why do I have to say everything twice maybe that's more real when God has spoken He has spoken. Amen. And it remains. Amen. And I can show you from the New Testament that Jesus quotes these verses when he's asked about marriage. We don't have time to go into that specifically, but this is confirmed in the New Testament. Amen. As God's original plan. So this is God's original standard, his original plan, his original idea, and his original intention. Hmm. And it has not changed. And it is that man would live in beautiful intimacy with him and in intimacy with one another as one flesh. That is God's plan. I want you to imagine how life would have been if the fall never happened. If we were still all walking around naked, not ashamed, and we had perfect intimacy with the Father, perfect intimacy with our marriage partners, and no one would feel naked and ashamed or think it's weird. We can't even begin to imagine it. Because our minds, because of the fall of man, was exposed to the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is not something we were ever supposed to handle. We were supposed to grow into it and as God reveals it to it. But we wanted to rush and know. And God's like, you're not ready. And that's where everything went skew. Amen? Now, disobedience messed up this original beautiful plan. It came in and it brought brokenness and 
then a cycle of brokenness just kept going and going and going. It got so bad in the beginning that God said, I'm going to start over. And he wiped out everybody except eight people. And it was, who can tell me who that was? Noah. Noah. I know her. Mm. Uh, and, he, and they started over. And, but then again, we see the cycle of sin, the cycle of disobedience, because we, mankind needs God, but he wants to go back to his flesh the whole time. And what happened in that moment when, when Adam sinned is that d- the dominion that God gave that we just read about, he, he put us, he gave us dominion over the whole earth. That dominion, the keys of authority were given to the enemy. We abdicated our dominion to the enemy. And if you don't believe me, just go and read where Satan tempts Jesus, the, the, the second temptation. He says, sorry, the third temptation. He takes him up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says to him, I will give you all these kingdoms if you would only bow down and worship me. Jesus doesn't correct him and say, those kingdoms don't belong to you because they do belong to him because he got it from Adam. But Jesus knew that he was going to get it back some other way. Amen. But he wasn't going to spoil the plan by telling him. Anyway, so we know that we abdicated our dominion in the spiritual realm. Now, how can it all be reconciled? We know by Jesus paying the ultimate price for us. All right. So God had a plan. Sin came and we have a crisis. And the crisis uh, consequence we see now in our modern day as the main thing we can call fatherlessness. We have men that do not know how to be sons. Therefore, they do not know how to be men. Therefore, they do not know how to be fathers. This is the biggest crisis or pandemic of our age. COVID has nothing on this problem. Amen. Fatherlessness is our biggest, biggest problem. This is what leads to other problems like broken marriages and dysfunctional families. You can trace, I would say, 99% of social problems, psychological problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems. You can trace it back to a father wound that someone is dealing with. And the world even knows this. How many of you have watched how many Hollywood movies where the theme is what? Broken relationship between dad and son. And when they get reconciled, everybody's crying. Why? Because deep down, we're all longing for that. Amen. Deep down, we all want actually our heavenly father. Mm. And if our earthly father was broken because his father was broken, because his father was broken, we see the cycle Mm. and we see this massive problem. I went to look at some stats and I'm very sorry that I did. In South Africa, 40% of marriages end within the first 10 years of marriage. 40%. Four out of every 10 people that get married get divorced within the first nine years of of being married. Now, in the last few years, marriages have decreased, which proves my point from earlier. People are getting less and less married or want to get married less and less. But divorce has increased by 13%. Most divorces are experienced in the Western Cape. Wow. In our country. Most divorces. With 54 divorces for every 100,000 population. Most divorces were from marriages that lasted between zero and nine years, followed by those that lasted between 10 and 14 years. 
17,345 children aged, aged under 18 were affected by divorces that took place in 2021. Just one year. 17,000 children affected by it. Now, if you add the years, the, like just take five years and times that by five. That's the amount of children affected by divorce. Now, they have to go into life with wounds and try and survive. And, and what, is, what is the average household and teach the kids because society teaches us just get a job just make some money and you'll be okay yeah. meantime they are breaking on the inside crying on the inside because they're not whole and this is the problem that we sit with I'm almost done with this stuff then we, you can talk with me so I looked at a South African article which is a worldly article who spoke to a psychologist who deals with this a lot what are the 10 most common causes of divorce in South Africa. So this is very specific to our nation. First one, who would guess the first one? They money? Guess, they guess money, yeah. No? Adultery? The first one is communication. Wow. The biggest cause of divorce in South Africa is first and foremost communication. Hmm. It's actually the number one killer of marriages. It comes in the form of a lack of communication or poor communication. For instance, when couples never discuss issues or when a party always avoids communication. On the other hand, poor communication is a, is a situation where the couple tries to discuss issues but lacks communication skills. And when communication fails, the couple, um, many couples head for divorce. The second one... I think just let's just stop there because communication in marriage is... is obviously very imperative you go into your marriage with a hundred percent of the knowledge that you have towards marriage because of the the, the family that you come from you, and your spouse goes in the same way so now we have two people come into marriage his parents did something this way your parents did something that way and you try to find one another and and one of our biggest struggles when we got married was when it came to communication is the fact that um we didn't know how to how to what's that word conflict handle conflict heinz grew up in a family where he he would always joke and say his parents fought like italians it was just hands and arms swinging but then they made up like french people and he could see the whole resolve that like he heard how they fought and then he saw how they got back together and made peace i got up in a family praise the lord my mom got saved in the meantime she's right there where my mom got she had silent treatment so my mom and my dad will have a tiff she would be quiet for a few days he would just let her be quiet for a few days. They'll go into the room. One day they'll come out and they'll be fine again. So I never had the vocabulary to fight. I didn't. I didn't even know how to, I like, so the moment we had a tiff, he would look at me and like, say something. And the more he says, say something, the more it feels like somebody's literally choking me, like a gunny prothny. And, and I would sometimes take two, three days. I, I will obviously answer the yes, no, shakalak, whatever. And then I I'm would, fine. I'm <laughs> Is you okay? That's fine. No, you're not fine. <laughs> and then I would be at my office, send him an email, like just digest what happened. I just want to say, this is what hurt me. This is how you made me feel. Get it out of my system. He would say, I'm sorry. And then when I get home, everything's fine. So that was, that was a long time of our marriage. That is what went on. Until we, we worked through that. We knew that this is the number one reason for divorce, not infidelity. 
this is, and we didn't struggle with infidelity, but we struggled with communication. So we could have easily fallen into that statistic and be divorced today because of that. But I had to humble myself and say, I am not communicating right. I am, I am, I am literally, I, I'm killing him by staying silent in this way. And I had to work through that. And every time I got better, I got better. I'm like, Lord, help me. Because he is the communicator. He's the God who created communication. So if I am humble enough to say, help me in this process, help me process what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling, so that I am able to verbalize it. And he had to stand back and give me some space. So we both had to give. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a one-richting communication situation. Oh, that was good. It's a two-way thing. The one has to give, it, it's giving and getting. It's, the, it's, the, it's actually giving and giving. But you have to have grace, because I know there are situations in this church where it's the same thing. The one wants to talk it out, the other one can't. Give each other space to get to the point where it's easy. And when you're calm, speak through what happened. Now I'm very good. I'm very good at telling him what is wrong. No problem. <laughs> very free. <laughs> This, this is just one of the examples of things that, you know, when, when we do our whole marriage course, we get very practical, and we're going to touch on a few things today, but we don't have time for the, for the whole thing. We're going to break it up a bit over the next few weeks, and, and then we also have a full-day marriage course coming up in, in September, um, but these things are foundational uh, in so many ways, but I, I want to quickly get through the other reasons so we can just get a picture, and then we're going to dive into the, okay, so what do we do, amen? All right, so... We, we now know communication is the first big killer. Obviously, then number two is infidelity. Uh, if th- you don't know what that means, it means cheating on your partner, all right, which is also one of the Ten Commandments. Um, finances, number three. When, when, and one of the things about finances is not communicating about finances is one of the things that, that kill a lot of marriages. Um, this one we've seen practically happen religious differences or even not going to the same church. I don't know how people can do that. Like, I'm married, but you go to that church or this denomination, I go to that denomination. It will not work. One of the best, biggest things you have to be on board with each other is we, we fellowship at the same church because God places you in a church. You don't place yourself in a church. You say, God, where do you want me to go? I, I, always, I always chuckle when I hear people take the biggest decisions of their lives and try to make it themselves. Like, who do you think you are? You serve a king, if you say you're a Christian, he should tell you who to marry, how many children to have, and which church to go to. That's God's decision. It's not yours. We would have way less people church hopping if they just went to God and say, where do you want me to be? And then you get stuck in there and you serve and you become part of that family. Number five, absence of sex. Number six, conflict with in-laws. This is a big one. I was very finnig oor geskip die ene keer. Well, he's kinders in die kamer, so ons houd het, ons houd het PG. Conflict with in-laws is a big one. We, we, when yeah. we did our online marriage course in 2020, we were shocked and kind of horrified when we heard what in-laws have said to and done to people that are married. I, I couldn't believe it. And there, the biggest thing I can tell you now for free is to understand leaving and cleaving. Amen. If you really understand what it means to leave your father and mother and cleave to your spouse, that problem is way less than what it has to be. And I just want to 
interject there and say the Bible says one of the biggest commandments is also honoring your parents. It is, it is, it is important. And I think sometimes you feel like you're going to dishonor your parents by not doing what they're saying. But after you are married, you can still honor your parents, but your wife or your husband comes first. That is what it means. It means I honor you, dad and mom, that you say that, but I'm not going to do it your way anymore. I'm going to do it my family's way, my marriage, my, the new way that God has set us in. That is really, really, really a big problem, especially in family businesses where everybody is very much involved and your, your, your in-laws are supposed to pay your salary and also the, oh, there has to be strong boundaries, very clear, and it has to be set by the father, by the man, by the husband. Yeah. Amen. Number seven is workaholism. If work is more important than your partner, Number eight, drug or alcohol abuse. Hmm. This can really cause massive problems. Priorities, this is when both partners are not aligned in terms of priorities when it comes to the important things about marriages. And then finally, abuse. This can be physical, emotional, there's different forms of this. All of these things should not be a problem in a true Christian's marriage. And I'm not saying that to put judgment on someone. I'm saying that if you do experience these things that might lead to the breaking of your relationship, then it's important to go cry out to God. Get help. Let's work on this. This is not God's idea. ideal. If we are struggling over and over and over with the same thing, then something's got to give. And you know what normally has to give? Both of you. Get on your knees. Humble yourself before God because you can't humble yourself before your spouse if you don't humble yourself before God first. And then say, I know that I struggle with this. I know that I need help. A lot of the, a lot of the problems that, that um, some counselors face is that a husband would decide the wife is the problem and she alone. He has no responsibility as to the breakdown of their relationship. And then the guy's main mission, the, counselor mains, mains, uh, the counselor's main mission is to get that husband to just go, is it possible? that at least five to 10% of the problem is you. Is it possible? And if they can ad admit that, okay, maybe 5%, yeah, then he's got something to work with. He says, maybe if you just work on your 5%, you'll start seeing a difference in your, in your wife. And then they start seeing that. But the, the, the thing is, we have to start with humility always. There are many times when I really believe I'm right, but right is not going to save my relationship or keep my relationship in a healthy place. How many of you know that, you know, we did the, the fruit of the Spirit last week. Did you see being right as one of the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, I, I no. saw it. I, I, I being right. <laughs> being right is not a fruit of the Spirit. Righteous, flesh. Righteousness either. Righteousness is different. Mm. But so I, and I, I can tell you from my own life, if I did not first humble myself before God and say, Lord, you need to help me. Because I need to now choose to love my wife as Christ loves the church, laying down his life. Mm. So I need to lay down my thinking, my way, wanting to maybe force something on her. But God wants to use this opportunity for us to come closer to each other. You understand that? All right. So we have now seen God's original plan. We've seen the problems in the world and the things that are causing divorces. And there's obviously a tension. There's a tension between what God created and wants and what the world looks like at the moment. What it does not look, uh, sorry, and this tension doesn't unfortunately look much different in the church. It's very sad to see that many of the statistics are similar where Christians are involved. 
But I love this. It's so amazing that Jesus, in, when we read the Bible, when we study the Bible, it says that Jesus is a bridegroom and that the church is a bride. So, at the very least, if you call yourself a Christian, you should understand what a healthy marriage looks like because otherwise you can't be a healthy part of the bride that has to love Jesus. Can you see that? Can you at least admit that you can do better as the part of the bride of Christ? So if we understand what marriage to the bridegroom Jesus is supposed to be, we start seeing more and more what our marriage is supposed to be here on earth in this season of our lives. And then we can start submitting ourselves, humbling ourselves. So whether you are married or not, you need to understand God's design for marriage in order to be a good Christian. It really is true. And we all need to know how to be a pure bride in order to be a pure bride together. So that we, because he's coming back for a pure bride. Would you like him to come back? Yes. Is the bride pure? No. How much of the bride not being pure is partly your fault? Your? It's easy for us to go like this. Yeah, that church and that Christian and this and But we should go... Am I forming a pure part of the bride of Christ? Mm. And you know what's part of that? The way your marriage looks. Your marriage is part of who you are because you become one. So now we together are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the bride of Christ. So if we are not in a good place, we are making the bride filthy. Mm. Let that rock your world for a moment. This is why we started today with repentance. Mm. Because we can so easily get self-righteous. We can so easily point fingers. We can so easily look at the splinters in everybody else's eyes. And God wants to take some logs out today. Mm. Say, hey, how are you looking? How's your marriage? What can you do to make things better? I was just thinking when you were saying that if we are not, and I wanted to say, if we are not in unity, yeah. If we are not in agreement, exactly. unity starts at home. And then if you, we are in unity and our children is in unity with us, then we can be in unity in the church. It grows out. And we have learned in this past few weeks how imperative unity is in, eye, in the eyes of God. Amen. Unity is one of, I almost want to say it's a prized possession of God to see unity in his bride. A big part of the bride being pure is the bride being united. And it really starts at home. It really starts with husband and wife being united, so the children are united, so the home is un a united front, which then form part of the greater discipleship, spiritual family of the church. Amen? Amen. Do we understand this? Do we believe this? Mm. The more we get this and live it out, the more we will see the changes we actually want mm. to see. So when, when Aletta and I do the marriage course, we, we break it up and we talk firstly about f laying the right foundations. Um, then when that's laid, we, we have to get rid of baggage. And I think that's what Aletta is going to share on next week. And then, then we only get to talk about the specifics like communication, intimacy, parenting, in-laws and money. Because if you don't know, if your foundations are not right, and if you are carrying unnecessary baggage... How many of you know you're going to struggle to communicate? You're going to struggle in, in the bedroom. You're going to struggle sorting out your finances. You're going to struggle with your in-laws because the foundation is shaky. 
We can, you can talk about the specifics till you're blue in your face. If your foundation is not right, it's never going to get to a healthy place. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yes. If you go in your mind right now and know you're wrong, then I want to challenge you and say you are prideful. And you're not ready to humble yourself before God and really learn. And yes, I am getting up in your business because I'm tired of seeing families struggle. I'm tired of seeing marriages fail. And we are not perfect. Please, that's not what we're saying. We just, we've been given a burden and a passion. And, and in this week we were talking about the, the dangers of people putting us on a pedestal, putting me on a pedestal, her on a pedestal. We don't, we don't want you to put us on any pedestal. We are here to point to Jesus. Amen. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's not on a pedestal, he's on the throne. Amen. And, and we need to all have that mindset because I will probably offend you. Yes. I will probably disappoint you at some point because you might have an expectation I'm not aware of. And if I don't meet that expectation, then you go, oh, Heinz this and Heinz that. I'm, I'm not Jesus. Amen. I'm here to point you to him. Amen. And I'm here to mostly preach to myself. Like God is working in me all the time, working in her all the time. Mm. We are vessels. And we, we are trying to be honorable, clean vessels for God. Amen. But it doesn't mean we will say something or do something or not say something or not do something that's going to hurt your feelings. But we are not building the kingdom on feelings. Mm. We're building it by faith for Him. Amen. So let's not let anything get in the way of unity. Amen. Amen. Yes. If you hear anything from anyone that is causing division, shut your ears up, say to them, shush, and leave. Mm. Or tell, tell them, go speak to Heinz. Sort it out with them. Yeah. Let's not prod stories and cause more division. Amen. So those are the things we talk about. Now, today I want to focus on, the, with the time we have left, we're going to talk about our foundations. And this, is, this comes back to faith foundations, which is something we are working on getting a membership course together that all our members need to go through. So we're going to touch partly on that as well. But these are things that we have to know are in place. And you might sit here and go like, I've been a Christian for 40 years, man. I know this stuff. All right? Good. Check your foundation. You might be here and have never given your life to Christ. And some of these questions might really work on you today. And you might make a decision to follow Him. Or you're like on the edge of maybe I will, maybe I won't. What, whoever you are, wherever you are, I want you to really tune in to what God has for you today because all of us build our lives on something. And you have to ask yourself at least this question and be very honest. Do I have a solid foundation on which I'm a, a confident to build on? Or is it perhaps that the things I'm seeing in my life is, is because I've got a shaky foundation or maybe even no foundation at all? Are we willing to at least go there? Anyone? All right. So... Our foundations that when we are walking with Jesus, when we are Christians, and this is what we are called to, is first and foremost is repentance. Some of you who have been with us for a long time um, will know that we started a series on foundations like two years ago, and the first message was called U-Turn, Y-O-U, Turn, because that's what repentance is. I love the Hebrew word for repentance. It's sheen bet or something like that. I, I don't know if I pronounce it right. But it actually means burn down the house. Repentance in Hebrew means burn down the house. The way it has been, the way I've been going, the thing I've been you know, building up as, as my identity, I'm going to burn it down. And, I'm gonna, and then the, met, the, the, uh, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which means 180 degrees turn away from something towards something new. 
So we burn down the house, we turn around, and we repent from what was, and we say, Jesus, I want to do things your way. This is why we keep talking about how the love of God leads to salvation. Because when we truly encounter how much God loves us, we want to get saved. So, but it starts with repentance. Repentance is that moment where I go, oh my word, I am a sinner in need of a savior. If, 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 I don't, if something doesn't happen, I'm heading for an eternity of hell. And I don't want to do that. I want to be with God. I want to be, I want to know that I know that my eternity is set with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Amen. Then we take the choice, we make the decision to become born again. Because Jesus said, no one can enter or see the kingdom of God unless you have been born again. That's why when people tell you, no, I've been born this way, this is just how I am. You can say to them, I've got good news for you. You can be born again. And become a new creation. Amen. None of us are born the way we should be. That's why we have to be born again. I want to say so many things on that point, but I'll keep it, keep, it, keep it in the right place. So out of salvation, salvation is linked to faith. Faith is how we walk our journey with God. But faith is also the, a gift given to us that through which we earn the righteousness, we get the righteousness to be called children of God. And when we understand all of this, we step into a place of lordship and obedience, which is where we say, Jesus is king of my life. And I'm willing to surrender to him and say, you are now Lord of my life, which means what? I will do what you say. And we are entering a kingdom, a king's domain, not a democracy. We can have conversations with God. We can chat to him. We can share our hearts and minds. But our opinion does not matter more than the word of God. And the others are to understand water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, and then to be part of uh, a spiritual family where discipleship takes place. So the, these four questions that I want to ask you today will help us to figure out where we are at. And I want each of you to go, can I answer these questions confidently? And am I humble enough that if I can't answer them, that I will actually delve into getting the answer? And there's only one who can answer these questions for you and with you. Question number one, who am I? When I whenever I deal, especially with men who come out of what I would call a cultural Christian background, so they are religious, but they haven't met Jesus and walk in a personal relationship with him. I love asking this question, say, who are you? And then they would typically say, my name is, or I do this for a living. I'm like, no, I didn't ask your name, and I didn't ask what you're doing. I asked, who are you? And most of them can't tell you. Because most of them did not have a father who knew Jesus, who understood that through Jesus Christ, I am a child of the living God. I'm a son of the living God. And then told his son who he is. That identity was never given. What happened when Jesus was baptized? Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. In that moment that he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and the Father spoke. What did the Father speak? This is my beloved Son with whom I'm, in whom I'm well pleased. He affirmed him. He spoke identity over him, and he spoke purpose over him. And the Trinity was all there 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit at the same time. Then immediately, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. You say, what? The Holy Spirit led him there? Yes. Go read your Bible. 40 days. Didn't eat. And then the, then the devil came and tempted him. When he was at his weakest, at his most high. And what was the first thing that he tempted him with? Identity. His identity. Mm -hmm. If you are the son of the living God, speak to these stones and tell them to become bread. And what did Jesus say? It is written. You shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the word of God. And he knew that he is the word of God. How beautiful is that? Mm. But if the enemy came for the identity of Jesus, who do you think you are that he's not going to attack your identity? Mm. Are you ready mm. to say, it is written? Amen. And we can all say, Amen. it is written, Amen. that if I've given my life to Christ, mm. I have earned the right to be called a child of the living God. Amen. It is written. You can't lie to me, Satan. I yeah. know who I am because I know whose I am. I am. That speaks to our identity. Mm. Then the second, you want to say something? Sorry. Then the second question is, why am I here? Most, especially men, can't really answer this question. They don't know why they are here. If it really gets, like they would say, oh, you know, yeah, they don't have a clue. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you get up in the morning? What motivates you? What? What's the reason? Why do you get up? Is it because you love coffee? <laughs> I get up to drink coffee. If I get that far, then maybe I'll tackle the rest of the day. No, what motivates you? Why do you, why do you get up? Why are you breathing? Why did God put you here and is still letting you breathe? Hmm. Why? Do you know? Do you know it with certainty and clarity? If you at least have an idea, that's a starting point. But how many of you know you don't know why, you won't know why you are here if you don't know who you are? Hmm. It is linked. Who am I speaks to identity. Why am I here speaks to calling and purpose. All right? Third question What is my message? You, you know, each and every one of you has a message from God to this world. Hmm. I call this content. God puts something on the inside of you that's uniquely for you hmm. to share. Amen. There's something about the gospel, the message of God, the, the character of God, something about it is more special to you than the next person. Yeah. And when you talk about it to people, you get excited. Like mm. there's a fire that burns inside Amen. of you. And each of every one of you has that. You've mm. got a message. Mm. What is that message? You won't know unless you know who you are and why you are here. Mm. What I can tell you is that all of you were created by God. Mm. All of you have a God-given purpose. Amen. And if you don't know, I can tell you, if you have really given your life to Christ, Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel, lead people to Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them what Jesus has taught you. Mm. That's your goal. Now you know. 
But inside of that broad mission, you have a specific mission. Amen. And inside of that specific mission, you have a specific message that God placed on your life. Mm. And if you would share it, you would see him move. Mm. And that's the fourth question. To whom is my message? Mm. That's your audience. Mm. Who am I called to serve? Who am I called to love? Mm. It can be really as simple as you are supposed to lead kids church at Love Key Church because those children need to hear from you. Yeah. You need to be on the welcoming team because no one welcomes people like you do. You need to make coffee because, oh my word, you make amazing coffee and it changes lives. It can be that simple. Mm. Don't look for the bright lights, big stage attention stuff. What has God called you to do? What do you naturally get excited by? Mm. That's, some, that's a clue of what God has for you. Amen? I was just introduced yesterday by Joanita that there is currently on Messenger International the app. It's John and Lisa Bevere's ministry. It's for free. They have a course called Called and it is apparently amazing. She inspired me to do it and work through it and it, it can get you to the place where you realize because the Holy Spirit will, will reveal it to you why you are here. You don't want to die one day not knowing what was your purpose on this earth. What a waste. Imagine you had this incredible purpose and you didn't know about it, but if you know, you can actually step into it. Why am I talking about identity, calling, and mission? Because how many of you know that a marriage, according to God, is between one man and one woman? Are we, are we in agreement? All right, that's what the Bible teaches. That's marriage. Anything else is not marriage. It's something people made up. So that's marriage. How many of you know that a man and a woman are each individuals, all right, who now become a unit, all right? Now, how many of you know that the man and the woman are not the same? Thank God. That's how he made it. And it will, will never be the same in Jesus' name. Now, husband, wife, individuals come together. Each individual should have a relationship with God from which they should know what is their identity, from which they should know what is their calling, from which they should have distilled already to some extent what their message is and to whom their message is. Why? Because when you are called to be married, you are actually called to be each other's biggest supporters and cheerleaders to achieve what God has put on your life. And a big key to fulfilling the calling on your life will be wrapped up in your unity with your partner. This is so good and you are not excited. If people would just get this, we will see marriages fly. Because this makes you wanna go, I need to sort out who I am. I need to sort out what am I doing? Because if I don't know who I am and why I'm here, how, and I, that means I can't lead myself. I can't. So how the heck am I gonna lead my wife, which I'm called to do? How am I gonna lead my children? How will my children ever understand identity, calling, and mission if I don't know even what mine is? Guys, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot give what you don't have. Jesus is waiting for all of us 
to come and find what he has, the treasures that he has wrapped up for each and every one of us. He's like, if he would just spend more time, I can show him. Oh, but there he goes again, playing a video game. I've got so much that he hasn't even scratched the surface of why I've called him. God is crying out, especially to the hearts of men this morning. My son, I've got so much for you. I wish you, I wish you would just come and discover it. I'm holding it and I want to show it to you. Come, my daughter, so much more than you think. You think that was a revelation? Woohoo, wait. There's so much more. Come and spend time with me. Come and see who I've made you to be. How many of you know that if you know who you are and why you are here, you will be a secure person? Why do people fight in marriages? Insecurity. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. So you frustrate one another. You irritate one another. There's no clarity, so there's no direction. So you irritate and frustrate one another. Until you until you spend time with God and find out who you are and why you are here, you will struggle in your marriage. If you are not married and sitting here today, thank God you're hearing this today. Because you will prep properly for your marriage. If you are married and you feel convicted, that's good as well. Don't feel condemned or or guilty or ashamed. That's also not what I want. But it's maybe a a wake-up call. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? You can go out of this hall and keep doing what you were doing, hoping for a different result. That is the definition of insanity. So ask yourself, am I insane or not? If I'm not insane, then I will actually try doing it God's way. Because then I can't expect a different result. Can I have five more minutes of your time? Are you okay? Are you learning something? Are you growing? Awesome. A few more minutes. Okay, now, the reason I'm also talking about this is once you understand that you need to know your identity, need to know your calling, so that you can be a better marriage partner, you need to know these things as well because there's an enemy who wants to take you out. How many of you know that? How many of you know the enemy knows the Bible better than you? How many of you know the enemy spent time in heaven before he became the enemy? So he knows God's heart. He knows God's focus. All right? What does the Bible say are his, or is his mandate? It's, it describes him as a roar, he walks around like a roaring lion looking to devour. It says that he came to kill, steal, and destroy. What? The people of God or people in general. He knows that God created marriage. He knows that God created family. The two most contested books in the Bible is Genesis and Revelation. Why? Because the enemy would would be so happy if he can um, cause people to not believe Genesis is true because then everything else will be doubted. And he doesn't want you to believe Revelation because that's where his butt gets kicked. So he doesn't want those things to happen. So if, and in in Genesis, we read the scripture that we read that is now by the woke left liberal people being taken completely to a place of, it's not not just not true, they're trying to say it's evil. 
It's evil to think marriage is just this. It's evil to think family is just this. What, is, as, what does Isaiah say? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Wow. We are there. They take what God said is good and they're saying now, no, it's not just wrong, it's evil. Wow. And the world is celebrating those who does the evil. They are celebrating it. Not just going, it's okay, celebrating it. And at the same time, hating and canceling the ones who stand for this truth. Amen. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? Mm. Are we going to stand by and let it happen? Or are we going to live it out in our homes so mm. we have something to stand upon? Amen. Okay? So we have an enemy who wants to destroy marriage. Why? Because when you destroy marriage, you destroy families. If you destroy families, you destroy people. And hurt people hurt people. And he knows that it's all about the unity and the stuff that we've spoken about today. So he wants to take that out. So what is he going to do? If he knows the plan of God and he knows the order of God, what was the order of God? God, man, woman, marriage, family. Do you remember that? So if you're the enemy and you know the strategy, who are you going to go for? Who's your strategy going to be aimed at the most? Men. Men, you have to wake up. Smell the, the fight. The enemy wants to take you out, and he will take whatever measure necessary to take you out. Whether it's lust, or money, or power, or whatever it might be, if you have that weakness, he's gonna ride that weakness until he breaks you. So that he can hurt your wife, so that he can hurt your children, so that they will go into a cycle of believing lies about who they are, so that they will lie to their children. And the cycle continues. If you don't believe me, look at the world and the statistics. It is all over the place. It is all over this Helderberg area. Broken marriages and broken children. It is horrible. It's not God's will. What are we going to do about it? I want to end off by giving you a picture and then a scripture. The world's idea of marriage maths is the following. One half person meets one half person, and they become whole. So, and we, we say that, here is my other half Or some men who try to score points says, this is my, this is my better half. It's my better half What are we saying? We are actually saying that I am a parasite who has a God-shaped hole in my heart. I kind of found that if I'm with this person, this hole is kind of filled, and I'm getting what I want. And the other person feels the same way. So now we have two parasites with holes in their heart trying to suck the life out of each other. And then one day they wake up and they go, I don't love you anymore. Mm. I want to challenge you. You never loved that person in the first place. Mm. You loved yourself with that person. You fell in love with the way that you felt with that person. Mm. You never loved that person. Never loved like God. Because God's love is unconditional, sacrificial, and serving. Amen. It doesn't expect anything in return. It loves. Sure. Read 1 John 4. That is love. That's the love that God wants us to love with. Amen. Mm -hmm. So this is very important and pivotal for us to understand. Half person, half person makes a whole. No, that's a lie. God's marriage maths is one whole person in him plus one whole person in him forms a, forms a new healthy one flesh. That is his heart. Amen. 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 Do you want to share something before I read the scripture? Yes, just on the, the roles and the order of God. 
I, God has an order. It's in the Bible. If you do marriage the Bible's way, it's gonna work. We are convinced of that. And in God's order, it is God, the husband, the wife, the children, and everything else follows. But we, as women, get it so wrong so often. Because the moment we get children, they totally consume our lives, our times, our, our, our time, our bodies, our everything, all our focus goes into, into them. And we neglect the one that's actually that, that was their first and the one that's supposed to be their last. When they've all left the house, there's gonna be a husband, <laughs> hopefully, still there. And, and then we are sorry. We are sorry that we missed a time. I re- this week, Heinz got home and he came into the garage and I was in the kitchen busy talking to one of the boys and Alana was running to him and he's like, Daddy, you're home, I'm wet. And she made him feel so amazing, which is actually my job. I'm supposed to be yes. that excited when he gets like a little doggy. <laughs> Papa has very eyes. But in the beginning of your marriage, it is like that. You're really excited to see them and then, and then it, it just changes. I mean, it's life, life happens. But we cannot get the order wrong. We, roles, I believe, roles in society have changed. Roles have changed. There are many, there are many um, working moms, stay-at-home dads, things are different. But even in that, the order of God has not changed. And we cannot change it for the world. We can't. And if we get it right, you are going to flourish in your marriage. And that's why I want to speak to the men first. We as women are created with the inherent need to be led by our husbands spiritually. That is how we were created. So it is very annoying and irritating and defeating if we have to lead spiritually. I've never been there in my life. I don't know how it feels, but I can imagine. If you have to lead spiritually, it would not feel good because it wasn't your role. You have to have a husband who who takes the lead spiritually and says, we're going to pray because we're going to go to church. We're going to do this. Let's... And, and take authority in the spirit. Because the moment that happens, the wife feels secure. She's like, oh my word, you are so hot right now. It's really the truth. <laughs> I won't go into details, but it's the most beautiful thing for me. If I walk into my husband's studio, like randomly in the middle of the day, I wanna ask him something, I go downstairs, he doesn't hear me. I come into his studio and he's got soaking music on and he sits with his Bible. I'm like, fuck my papa, fuck my no. It's legit, the most beautiful thing. But we get it so wrong. We get it so, and then there's, when it starts, when that cycle starts, where the woman feels like she has to lead, the husband feels defeated because he knows he actually is supposed to lead. He knows that's his role. And now it's a whole cycle and then there's a lack of communication and it goes wrong. And in the same sense, women, you can't depend on your relationship with Jesus through your husband. He's not gonna get you into heaven. Let's not get that wrong. You have to have your own relationship with God. He's going to lead you in society and in community and in church. But you have to, you're not going to, I remember when I got saved, my parents were literally Heinz and myself. My, my dad was on the stage. My mom was playing the piano. It was just the cell set up. And I remember sitting in church as a 10-year-old realizing I am not going to get into heaven because of those two people standing on that stage. I have to make the decision myself. Nobody else, not your best friend, not your husband, not your wife is going to stand next to you when you stand in front of Jesus. You're going to have to make the choice right now on this earth to see where you're going to spend eternity. Come back next week. There's more. That was my ad for next week. <laughs> I love doing this with you. It's awesome. So, can we please take a moment where we respond? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a well-known piece of scripture. And I wanted to 
really do what the scripture does best, and that's to wash us, to renew us, to bring us into the truth of God. From verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, and his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.